0: Big decisions, paths followed, choices made. This is Connections, Conversations about Life and Work. I'm your host, Jim Allen. So what's the deal with International Women's Day? I think that's the way Seinfeld would say it anyway. (laughs) Here to help me decode International Women's Day is second time guest, Catherine Harrison, who will now explain to me what this international women's day thing is all about. Is that is that too much? Is
1: that too much to ask of you? Yes. yes. Yes, <laughs> you're
0: representing all women, all women today. Right. So how are you? You were here about a year ago.
1: Yeah, was it, has it been a year? About ago? a year
0: ago. Okay. So uh, what what's happened to you in the last year? What have you done?
1: Lots of things. Um, I'm almost I'm I'm rounding out completing a master's in a, in applied psychology around the biopsychosocial aspects of health and well-being, as it applies to human-centered leadership, which is kind of my jam, as you know. That's, been, that's taken up the bulk of my time, as you can imagine. I'm doing it uh, in a very concentrated way, so I've been a full-time student. Um, and, and continuing to, to write and to share and to discuss and to debate and to you know prod various related topics. Um, still spend a lot of time in the music industry space, talking about mental health advocacy and addiction recovery. I saw an article
0: you wrote. Where was that?
1: That was in Canadian Musician Magazine in January. Right. And um, doing some workshops and some um, uh, support uh, work with um, music organizations around the country as well, around various aspects of of optimal health and well-being. So... um, yeah, that's what I've been doing.
0: So it's International Women's Day on Wednesday. Mm. That's if you're, you know, but this is evergreen content. So yeah. if you're watching this later, it doesn't really matter. Now, on LinkedIn, similar to the first time you caught my attention, on LinkedIn, you commented on a long post by Sophie Walker, who used to be a journalist in England and was the founding leader of the Women's Equity Party in the UK. And her post started with a week to go till we. Hit the annual corporate calamity that is also known as hashtag International Women's Day 2023. If you are planning to participate in this branding bun fight, here are some handy tips to survive until you uh, do have to do another 24 hours of performative feminism next year. And then you liked that and said all of this, stop the performative hogwash laden language and get to consistent meaningful action. Right. Do you regret any of that?
1: I know. I w- I'll double down on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I will not speak for all women for, the, for okay. the first part. I will speak for me, this woman. Um, I will I will uh, represent um, conversations I've had. I will represent decades of experience I've had. I will represent the um, the current literature and research on the subject. Um, uh and share with with you, I, I guess, my thoughts on it and and the reality, which is it's another one of these non-binary both and situations, right? Which is, I guess, just around the concept of any day. because now there's a day for everything. Yes. there's a day for everything. It's usually about a marginalized group. Uh, in in some iteration Um, and I think that there's a lot of value in noting recognizing celebrating bringing attention to whatever that group is um, and whatever the ideal state for that group is so on the one hand great on the other hand and equally important is what does this do like, what does, in this case, International Women's Day do? What do the hashtags do? What does the, you know, the corporate wokeness do? Uh, what what does it do? And that's where I think that post uh, really spoke to me, which is why I added to it and, and forwarded it. It is, like many things, and, and I talk about this in all other aspects of my human-centered leadership and optimal health and well-being spaces is that there is a dichotomy and a misalignment between the language of values and the actions of values. So there's a lot of language around International Women's Day and, oh my God, this is so amazing and la 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 la. And even companies and organizations have policies and written practices. and will hashtag the crap out of this and probably spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, hiring a marketing team to like brand their thing. But they don't actually do anything meaningful on a daily basis in their organizational cultures. And that to me is where the hogwash comes in. And that's my polite way of saying something else.
0: (laughs) So it's her words. But what, what do you think performative feminism is?
1: Well, and I don't even know if it's performative feminism per se. It's perform it's just performative for this, but uh, sure, let's just use that performative feminism. And again, I'm not the expert on on mm-hmm. this subject. This is purely just, you know, this. You're
0: closer to being an expert than I am. True. Though, so that that is true. I know nothing about <laughs> women, so.
1: You know, I I, th- I think how I perceive it is. How it is how how that could be defined, which is I'm acting as if this is of great importance to me. I'm acting as if this will be um, activated, integrated, measured, and sustained in my daily behavioral practices. I'm acting as if that's performative in my my mind, which means it doesn't necessarily equate to the real daily Behaviors, tangible, observable, measurable, sustainable behaviors—that is actually driving meaningful change within the equality and equity space of the genders. Of men so it's,
0: it's kind of a marketing thing, and they slap a logo on it for yeah. to make maybe get score some points on one day or one week or whatever. Is that? Fair I think to say? so. And, and
1: again, this can be applied to to almost anything. And and there's some some interesting, like I was saying earlier, like there's this, the corporate wokeness is a thing now, which is different than corporate social responsibility, which is, which is a a concept that's been around for probably 30 years-ish, which is quite meaningful that, 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 that within the capitalist space, again, not all bad, not all good, but there is a corporate social responsibility, which is important. But now we've gone... To, to an extreme, and now we have this thing called corporate wokeness, which is how do I, as a, as a corporate entity, tether to something that's trendy and really woke to appear as though I'm really cool? And there's pros and cons to doing that.
0: Okay. So what when you're talking like that, it makes me think, and you're active in the, in the mental health yeah. space, as we just talked about as well, it makes me think of that Bell Let's Talk thing what What do you think about that? Because I have an opinion about Bell. Let's talk, yeah,
1: I uh, and <laughs> don't sue me for slander. Uh, I feel that that is um, it's a great brand. It's a great theme. It's a great idea. It brings to light um the fact that Mental health is stigmatized. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about mental health like they want to talk about other physiological health issues. Right. So on that, I think it's great. However, it is performative in nature. And one thing I have heard repeatedly from people in the telecommunications space is that company itself is actually not a mentally yes. health uh, environment. In fact, it can be very toxic. And therefore, and, and that's a great example of what is known as sort of a hypocrisy penalty, where a corporation um, claims something and it is known to not be true, and it's a backlash. There's there's yes. what's known, it triggers a, hypocr- a hypocrisy penalty. They're
0: definitely getting backlash now a few years into it, right? for sure. Because they paint themselves into a bit of a corner because they have often had layoffs within weeks of the, that day, right? Yeah. So to their chagrin really. Cause, and people don't forget about it. Either, right. Cause then the next year, even in anticipating that day, people are, by the way, I was laid off two years ago, by the way, you ain't so great on this issue. Right.
1: And, and, and to be <clears> clear, <throat> uh, corporate layoffs are, are, are to, are unavoidable in some cases yeah. and they, they cannot or should not be explicitly tethered to mental health. So yeah. the issue is how does a company do corporate layoffs? that that that's where we actually have the mental health um and and holistic health conversation because there are times when a company actually needs to write its ship in terms of resources including staffing employee etc but it's how they do things that are either aligned with Mm -hmm. their language of values or misaligned with those
0: values that bell that stock day rubbed me wrong from the very beginning and it was because they put their their name first, and I'm sure all the marketing and the PR people were giving themselves high fives, and then every there you. Every retweet or whatever, it was a nickel. I think they stopped that yeah. this year. Oh, interesting, and so people kept doing it. This was great; they'll pay, and and but meanwhile they're getting all these the bells just flashing all over the internet, and it just felt awkward to me that they put them. It's, it's just the language that they put themselves first in that. And I don't even, did they really need to be in that at all? Yeah. They could have been, let's talk, or something about mental health but to you by Bell, you yes. know, just something subtle. Yes. It's like there's a baseball field around here that someone paid for. And we don't need to say the, the, the car company logo, but there's like 20 logos. Like, I get it. Maybe, how about one logo? I get it. I appreciate that you paid for the baseball field. Mm-hmm. I, you know,
1: anyway. And so, so that, but that's an interesting conversation. And, and I think that again, there's, and perhaps I'm full of it. That's highly possible. There, there's one thing around like baseball diamond, have a logo. I'm going to invest all this money. Uh, I'm going to use it as a branding opportunity. There's another thing when we talk about health and mental health or, you know, equity and marginalization. And, and, and the challenge, I just read a really interesting paper, um, uh, published uh, through the Harvard um, Journal around the, the challenge of this where companies will not face that hypocrisy penalty I referred to earlier if they're actually more explicit around we're using this as a marketing campaign. It's when they, they take this moral high ground and, they, and that's the performative piece and they come across as this and then people go, not so fast right it doesn't align with with the reality and our experiences and what you said and did over here and and so i think that that's where we're getting some that that's where we get these kind of comments around something that could be really good let's let's take a day to actually reflect and recognize what are we doing every day mm-hmm. T- take a day to reflect on how are we in fact integrating our policies and values every day in our organizations that would be a good Use of our time, but it's more just like one day a year. Everybody hug yourself and like. And by the way, I, I'm totally allergic to that campaign this year. I don't like it one bit. <clears throat> this did. Have you seen it? Uh,
0: no hugging. Everyone <laughs> hugging each other. You're against hugging. Okay.
1: I love hugging. <laughs> there, the so and again, I'll probably get in trouble for this. Uh, I'm the. And here's the other thing. Intention versus impact. I have no doubt that the intention is is positive. Right. Um. And it's difficult to do campaigns that everybody's happy with. The campaign for this year is Embrace Equity. I like it generally. Sure, embrace – who wouldn't want to embrace equity? And so the campaign is everyone, like, doing this. Right.
0: right?
1: And I think that feeds deeply into the stereotypical gender roles that women play, like being this – nurturing soft huggy touchy like right. it it in my mind it is not in any way empowering it doesn't actually promote equity i would like to see a more activating verb there and to me embracing although it's a verb but it's the kind of a passive thing right i'd like to see activate equity catalyze equity yeah. something like a little
0: it's not really what you're talking about you're talking about you know equal pay and a lot, a lot of benefits that you're talking
1: about you a lot yeah
0: and so get.
1: i think even even that has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way.
0: The pay? Pay?
1: No, just that just that br- that theme this year, embrace okay. equity. It's like, right. eh, okay. But yeah, we can get into, you know, yeah. the difference between equality and equity.
0: International Women's Day. So, what are a couple of just off the top of your head, the biggest issues facing women in the workplace today in
1: 2023? Okay. My opinion. Um and based on some some of the, it's
0: always the, your opinion. Yeah,
1: so. I know, but I, well, I want to be clear that that I I am not um, a de facto expert in this space. I have experience. I have um, knowledge, and I did you know I, I did do a, a bit of a research literature search just to know that I'm not completely speaking at <laughs> both sides of my mouth. Um, so one of the primary issues is that. Um, well, there's a good conversation going on right now with respect to the difference between equality and equity. Equality means everybody gets access to the same opportunities, right? Equal opportunity. But equity means that there are, um, there are things put in place to actually bring equal, uh, greater uh, equal outcomes, and that's very different. So the, an analogy that often gets used is, equality means everybody gets a pair of shoes but they get the same pair of shoes. They get a pair of men's size nine court shoes. What it doesn't mean is that, that that four-year-old who has a size four and that woman who has a size six and that person who has a prosthetic leg and that like, but that that one, they all have the same shoes, but they don't perform to the same way and they're not going to have the same outcomes. Only people who are men size nine, right, will, mm-hmm. will actually uh, have positive outcomes with that. So so the notion of, well, women are given equal opportunity, therefore everything's equitable, not true. Because representation doesn't equal inclusion, does not equal power. Sure. So even though we may have 50-50 men and women at a given uh, manager level uh, in the STEM program, so for example, there's even more women than men in STEM programs right okay. now, even though there may be higher numbers of representation, it does not mean that they actually have Uh, Inclusion And inclusion means that they have power, that they have a voice at the table, that they have decision-making for not just the the daily practices, but the infrastructural and systemic ways uh, that things happen. And that's a big disparity even now. So there's a lot of great research around, um, you know, women who are, I read a paper the other day, women um, in the political sciences. Who represent, let's say, fifty percent of the graduating class, but only represent twenty percent of uh, tenured professors. They don't get hired, and they don't. And if they do get hired, they don't stay. Why? Because the organizations actually don't have in place practices that mm-hmm. enable um, equitable outcomes for women. Whether it's the the culture, which is not um, conducive to uh, you know, it's not devoid of harassment or biased behaviors. It is not actually conducive to having families. I mean, the, the jury is, has definitely concluded that the reality is women do more unpaid work in the world than ever, when it comes to household, mm-hmm. when it comes to raising the families, et cetera. So there's a lot of systemic um, biases, even by women, that, are, that continue to be in play. And so that's why we have to keep talking about this uh, but like that's the kind of conversation that would be cool as opposed to embrace equity.
0: So let's go over her list. This is Sophie Walker again. And it's just a lot of it's very lighthearted too, right? Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, it says pay your women speakers. Um, benchmark their rate around the last invoice you got from a top male consultant. I mean, you can jump in anytime you want, mm-hmm. right? Um, don't make anything pink. So I guess you get sick of seeing these things and everyone wears pink for a day and... That sort of thing. Um, at any panel event, refrain from asking either of these questions. But it is—is is it really a problem? And be, what about men? If you are planning an event uh, evening event, provide on-site childcare and pay babysitting fees. Benchmark the latter around your top male consultants' day rate. Now, you were work—you were in the workforce full time when you had a child. So, what was that like for you? What were the, some of the problems that you had?
1: Well, I can tell you... needed you,
0: to leave work early sometimes. Did you? Or?
1: Uh, yeah. And and um, I needed to leave work early or just leave work period if there was, um, you know, an emergency or whatever. Uh, I, I was fortunate that I had an engaged um, father available um, also, although I was definitely the, the primary um, uh, childcare parent. Um I made decisions, but here's the thing: I made decisions in my career because I was a mother that precluded uh, my ascension into uh, into into other more powerful positions. For one, I made specific decisions that would enable me to be home more, to be uh, proximal to my child. So that, in and of itself. Um, Therefore,
0: or altering your career path. Absolutely. So you might not. You need to go to Asia if you expect to be come back here and be president, or something. Right. Like that, or you right?
1: need to do this, but that means you're traveling seventy percent of the time. Well, right. and some people do that, and I and and that's a, that's a choice. Yeah. Um. That wasn't a, that wasn't something that I wanted to do. That wasn't something that was going to fit with my i uh, with my um, belief system around what I wanted to do for the optimal well being of my child and for me as the mother. Um. I also have explicit first hand experiences of getting a job after a man in a senior position and getting a different title and lower pay even though it was the same job.
0: Right.
1: I I saw that play out in many, many instances. Same job description, different title, different pay. <clears throat> so it's a subtle thing, but you title, know what it's different pay.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. Um
0: is that that's still going on? Presumably, yeah, it is in a subtle way.
1: In a subtle way, how do in, you fix that? Well, this is this is the million dollar question. Because I mean, you it, need
0: leverage, don't you? How do you, what, you it, withhold it, your services? I mean, yeah, there's always someone else there to right. take the so, job. So. You know,
1: that's that's the million dollar question, Jim. Though you know, how how do you fix it? I think it's it's a long game. It is, um, it's not a simple answer. It is going to be a combination of both individuals making conscious choices and systems and infrastructural changes happening slowly and painfully because the people in power uh, right now benefit from that i mean that's just the reality it's not going to change overnight i think it's actually going to be a cultural generational shift in 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 the coming years um I'm, i'm hoping i'm hopeful that the next generation sees things slightly differently and as they become leaders Will um, actually be more inclined to align language of values with actions of values.
0: So it's kind of as the boomers kind of die off, basically. You said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I'm a boomer, barely, but I'm a boomer. But certainly, people in like, you know, white guys in power 10 or 20 years older than me think differently, right? From you said different, it, not very me. Different, but I do agree with you, Jim. Well, very different, different generation, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. but, and you see that all the time. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's where you get <clears throat> the performative things because, because those individuals, again, and, and I don't think that they, there's not a um, pernicious uh, attempt. They'll say, I, I love women. I have daughters. I have granddaughters. And they'll say, we, we have policies. We've invested in this program. Mm-hmm. We've invested in training. We've invested in this. We have an International Women's Day event every year. We've hired, we yes. have 50% women managers. But what they don't do is they don't align the cultural behaviors on a daily basis right. to those values.
0: Yeah,
1: they can't see it for one thing; it's an unconscious bias in many cases. And if they do see it, they don't want to see it because it doesn't serve them, right? And and so th- that therein it lies one of the biggest issues. And and it may just take some, you know, time. Um, but I think we need to be preparing younger generations uh, for that eventuality so that we don't just unconsciously or because of momentum just continue to perpetuate the same things, right? Because that's easy to do too. Hmm. The path of least resistance is like, well, you know?
0: So Sophie Walker actually mentions hugs on her list. Oh, <laughs> Number eight, avoid suggestions that equality will make for a softer, gentler workplace. More hugs at the end of difficult meetings, etc women aren't naturally empathetic, mostly, and especially now, they're very pissed off. Ignore this point at your peril. Mm. So that's a right. good one.
1: So that, th- that, that's an example of the um, the gender stereotypes, right? Well, men are like this and women are like this, and if this, then that. And it's just simply not true that that men and women are socialized to to leverage and behavioralize certain aspects of human um uh psychological concepts more than others but it doesn't mean that women are naturally more empathetic and men are naturally more competitive
0: it so doesn't bear out point number nine have a look at last year's proclamations about improving female representation at the top on the board in middle management on your & d teams if these airy claims have not been met I refer you to point five which is check the organization's pay gap yes yeah. so. so what
1: I love about this is what I mentioned, At the top of our conversation is if International Women's Day was a day where organizations said for this day we are actually going to have a review of the past 12 months and the promises that we made and the policies and practices that we have and the training interventions that we've invested in and see how we have activated, integrated, measured, and sustained these behaviors and what the outcomes have been in terms of equitable outcomes, that would be a great use of our time. But simply to say, we're gonna hire our marketing team to create a really cool, splashy, you know, slogan and beautiful thing, and we're gonna look like this woke organization but not do anything different,
0: Yeah. Point 10. If at any point on March 8th, you find yourself thinking, why am I doing this? Congratulations, you have finally stumbled on the essential (laughs) rule of International Women's Day 2023. Don't do anything without first asking the women you take for granted 364 days a year what they might want instead.
1: Yeah. And I think also that speaks to when you say, you know, I know you, it was sort of tongue in cheek earlier. Okay, Catherine, you're speaking on behalf of all women. <laughs> but to me, that point is about that. Um, women are individuals, just yeah. like men are individuals. Human beings are individuals. And although that there there are um, collective needs and some common needs, I think that's a great suggestion. Talk to the women in your life. Talk to the women in your family life, your social life, your community life, your work life, education life, healthcare life, whatever community you're, and say, Hey, on this day, I want to understand what's, what's the biggest challenge for you? What's, what can I do to best help, serve, learn, understand, whatever? And you don't even have to, it doesn't have to be a, a, a big debate. It can just be like the goal is learning and the goal is commitment to just something, just something progressive and, 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 and meaningful.
0: Point 10A. So she's got 10A, 10B, so she got stuck on 10. Do not, on any account, host any International Women's Day 2023 training courses for women on how to be confident like men. Learn to ask better for a pay raise like men or memorize handy tips to get that promotion that keeps going to their male colleague or you'll have me to deal with. 10B, make sure your contractual fine print agrees to full payment of any women you've hired in the event of a last-minute cancellation when you realize you've bitten off more than you can chew.
1: Can I speak to 10A for a moment? Sure. So I, I applaud her for adding that there once again because often when we think about women moving into leadership positions, the goal is to make women behave more like men and that's what she's getting at there. These little workshops on how to be more confident, how to ask for a raise like a man, how to be like a man, how to be this. How to dress too right? right? And so it's more about, and and this is deep in my space of human-centered leadership, is we need to develop human-centered leadership practices, not man-centered leadership practices or women-centered leadership practices, human-centered leadership practices that are practiced by both men and women, by all genders, that are actually that actually optimize the health and well-being of humans within the workplace, because that is good for business. Right. And 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 th- what the 10 A speaks to is right now what we say to women is, in order to be successful and get a seat at the table and have power at that table, you got to learn how to be a man. You got to learn how to act like a man. Even if they don't say it explicitly, that's the message, and that doesn't serve anybody.
0: Right. Like like I'm looking for a killer kind of thing to yeah close a deal or whatever. And and you,
1: I talk to women all the time, and I've had this experience myself. And a lot of women will say the worst boss I ever had was a woman. First of all, people are people. Women, woman or man, so you might just have somebody who is just a a deeply antisocial person. Uh, But also, many women, as they move through the ranks, if they are ambitious, and that's a dirty word for women, but not for men. If they are ambitious and they move through the ranks, they often uh, feel and learn that they better behave in the same way that men behave to get to those high-powered positions. Now when a ma- man behaves in that way, he's seen as a- assertive and confident and like, you know, like oh yeah, he's like you know, he won't put up with anything whatever, but it, when a woman woman behaves in that way, people are very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. So there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of of um of, of nuances, and it all comes down to our sort of socialization and our culturalization and our stereotypical biases that we have ab- ab- about each other and about ourselves.
0: So that whole ambition angle, so you still think that's a thing? Like people are not, women are not allowed to be ambitious or it's just an unattractive trait? Well, it, it's, seen as, it's seen as
1: an unattractive trait. Uh, and sometimes subconsciously, but there's some pretty good research data on that, 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 that there are certain words that, that don't line up for people because we've been culturalized that ambition right. is, it's not a very, it's not a very ladylike thing. And I know that sounds right. very sort of, you know, 1950s, Edwardian, yeah. um, uh, well, or fifties, uh, but there is still, there is still a negative attribution with with respect to an ambitious woman versus an ambitious
0: man. Right. I guess, how do you get the job without asking for it? You know, you know what I mean? That next job up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Don't you have to, if you're in sales, don't you have to ask for the sale? Don't they tell everyone to do that? Mm-hmm. So is that, did you experience something like that yourself? in the in your? How do you mean? Well, how do you, again, it's that naked ambition. Like how do you, if you're a senior manager, how do you become vice president without asking for "I want that job"? Yeah. You have to apply for it. If it's right, it's yeah, either it's either advertised internally or it's not. But somehow you have to let people know. Yeah, I would mind being vice president. Yeah, right? I think there's
1: there's differences in in uh, the nuances, you know, between um, between ambition and striving and pursuit of excellence and, you know, uh, interested in, you know, developing and expanding oneself. And there's a a whole bunch of things. What I was saying about ambition, it's not that ambition itself is wrong. I'm saying that the attribute of that word has different connotations, but absolutely, you know, you need to ask for it. Women are less um, likely to proactively ask for those things because they've been culturalized that it looks bad on them because of that attribution of ambition right they still will Um, the um, uh, but you but we have to and, and I've had experiences myself with this I've had conversations with friends community members that are so blatantly sexist it blows my mind and they and these individuals wouldn't even see themselves as sexist. They you just have not it. you
0: give an example or without naming names or?
1: Um,
0: it's just sort of implied sexism kind of thing?
1: It's, it's unconscious, it's subconscious sexism because of um, culturalized stereotypes. Um, it, it's kind of the, it's the, the example is, you know, the behavior uh, conducted by a man is seen as one way, strong, Confident, assertive—the same behavior in the same situation conducted by a woman is seen as bitchy, aggressive, nasty. You know what I mean? Like it's there's there's like a negative.
0: And that might come up in a flavor. performance review or something. It
1: comes up in performance reviews. It comes up in terms of reputation. It comes up just at cocktail parties. Just
0: the whisper in the lunchroom kind of thing, right the, by the water cooler. Right.
1: right, and so that's a challenge for women: is how do we do that and. And recognize, so we have to also be thoughtful that we as women can't enter into that conversation.
0: Right. Attacking each other kind of thing. Right,
1: which is known as the crabs in the barrel phenomenon, right? Which is, is a group of people within the same marginalized class start to actually have hierarchical fighting uh, with, within that within that same group. And that can happen. And we need to be really careful about that. because I, because, because also, patriarchy... Benefits from infighting with, it, with women. Yes. It benefits, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Just take each other out. Yeah. Um, so I, I stumbled across a McKinsey report, and I'll just, the top three reasons why women leaders switch jobs. You can chime in if you want. So number one, women leaders want to advance, but they face stronger headwinds than men. To women. So, uh,
1: and I don't know what the headwinds that they're going to um, articulate there, but that's a great example of the difference between equality and equity, right? So so um, equality might be man and woman is here. They have the same opportunities to move forward. But if a woman has stronger headwinds, right, it's going to be harder for yep. her to move forward than, than the men.
0: They say in many companies, uh, they, uh, w- women experience microaggressions that undermine their authority and signal that it would be harder for them to advance. For example, they are for, far more likely than men in leadership to have colleagues imply that they aren't qualified for their jobs. And women leaders are twice as likely as men to, uh, men leaders to be mistaken for someone more junior
1: yes that is true
0: so you just assume someone walks in and you assume they're yes an assistant or something that's true and
1: that happens in lots of different uh lots of different um industries and sectors i can say this happens a lot in healthcare. right a female physician or a surgeon walks in
0: where's the real doctor
1: where's the doctor right thank you nurse where's the doctor (laughs) i'm the surgeon (laughs) right still happens
0: yes happens in the corporate
1: world all the time yes
0: and that's just what ingrained, I guess. It's just it's, a, the, it's the, um, the cycle
1: of socialization. That's what I was saying. It's culturally, and men and women, women do it just as much as men do,
0: right. because
1: we've been raised to through through our, the way we're socialized, including media. All of this stuff comes in, and we just keep, you know, it 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 socializes us to have these. So we have to be really thoughtful about recognizing some of these biases as they come up, and we make assumptions. And we go. Where did that come from that's interesting so as you know Jim like one of one of the fundamental um, uh, behaviors or um, practices that I am a vocal advocate for is cultivating a reflective mindset and when you cultivate a reflective mindset it means you're deeply curious and interested in how you perceive the world and what are the filters and biases and assumptions that go through and stereotypes and stigma that go through your own brain as you perceive the world, and we all do that, even when they don't match up with our ideologies.
0: Yep. So why women leaders are switching jobs? Point two: women leaders are overworked and underrecognized compared with men. At their level, women leaders do more to support employee well-being and foster DEI work that dramatically improves retention and employee satisfaction, but not is not formally re- rewarded in most companies.
1: Right, so yeah, diversity, equity, and inclusion is the DEI, otherwise known as EDI. Sometimes they, they uh, move the letters around. Um, the bulk of the work is done by women, probably because they are part of a marginalized group, so maybe it, it, right. it is a, it's a easier um, space to to recognize. Um, that I'm, I'm not sure of. Uh, but. Yeah, my experience and observation is women work um, harder for the same job for less pay. And there's a lot of, because of that, um, self-imposed in many cases, it becomes just assumed. It just becomes expected. Um, here's a great example. You can be at a corporate event. You can be at a corporate management leadership party or a meeting, and there's talk of some sort of social event. 100% the planning of said event will fall to a woman. They'll be like, hey, Susan, could you, uh, right? The, the men will never say, I will take care of planning this event. It's just assumed that a woman, well, you're better at that. Right. Right? And so all this extra work now is going to fall on that woman because women are better at planning parties. Well,
0: Also, when I hear uh, read that support employee well-being, I mean, that could just be a phone call with a colleague after hours, right? because yeah. uh my wife gets calls like that on a Saturday afternoon or they just went to a conference and then there's the phone call at 7 p.m. And it's like, and they're debriefing or, or what's this really mean or what, you know. Yep. And they're supporting each other, but it's yep. after work hours. Yes, so,
1: that's a great example. So It's a great example.
0: So point number three, why women are leaders are switching jobs. Uh, women leaders are seeking a different culture of work. Women leaders are significantly more likely than men leaders to leave their jobs because they want more flexibility or because they want to work for a company that is more committed to employee well-being and the DEI.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Because companies say it, but they don't do it.
0: What, what, could, we, what could be done to make International Women's Day better? It started in 1909, apparently. The earliest reported Women's Day observance called National Women's Day was held in February 1909 in New York City, organized by the Socialist Party of America. Um, And by the 21st century, uh, International Women's Day has been criticized as being heavily diluted and commercialized, particularly in the West, where it is sponsored by major corporations and used to promote general and vague notions of equality rather than Radical social reform. So it started here and is now here. It's been kind of co opted by the, that was sort of what we were talking yeah. about at the very beginning. How can we make, how, uh, what yeah. would you do to make it better? How, how can you?
1: I will just say, is that it meaningful? I, yeah, I will say that I think that that's happened in, in, in all aspects of social justice. Social justice itself has been co opted um, yes. politically and corporately in this sort of corporate woke space. Um, And this is one aspect, I think, of the social justice milieu that has also been, as you say, sort of hijacked. Um, I think, you know, the list that Sophie articulates is a great place to start. I think, as I mentioned earlier, if there was two things, one individually and one collectively, individually to use uh, International Women's Day as... Uh, an opportunity to make a commitment to invest whatever, 20 minutes individually to learn about what, like why is there a need for recognition, celebration, voice, conversation around the inequity or inequality of genders? So if I don't know, then, like take some time to learn about it in a in a non-binary non-political way right i'm not going to go to to the far left and i'm not going to go to the far right i'm actually going to look at everything and say what is from 1909 or before what does this all mean so that i'm not just um ingesting the stuff that i see on my social media feeds and and on mass media and to then reflect either i am a woman uh how does, how, does this, how does my life reflect equality and equity or not? How did the other women in my life reflect equity and equality or not? What are some small micro daily decisions and choices that we could make that would make it better? So having, and, and maybe having conversations, you mentioned earlier, you have a wife, you have two daughters, uh, like what, what conversation might you um, invite with them to say, hey, what does this mean to you? What would be meaningful to you? What, if you could do something tangible to to shift things, what would that look like? To to really learn from an open, exploratory, curious uh, mindset. That would be cool. Collectively, as I mentioned earlier, if International Women's Day was an opportunity for an organization to say, we're gonna take a pause today company's not going to go belly up if we take one day to take a pause and and, and maybe it's a week um, but to take a pause and actually reflect on the commitments that we've made not just last year but the commitments that we make in our language of values in our stated values as a corporation it's usually around equality and respect and inclusiveness and innovation and all that stuff um, how do our how do we actually behave in accordance with our usual uh, HR policies around inclusion, diversity, equity, uh, parental leave, uh, harassment, um, because oftentimes the policies are in place, but they are not um, the, but the policies don't mean anything because we know that what actually happens around here isn't that stuff. Right. So to actually review this in a vulnerable, honest way, And I would suggest with some sort of third party arbiter, whether whether it's an internal ombudsman committee, whatever, or maybe it's a third party to to hold, and obviously organizations and leaders of those organizations have to be willing to do that. And it's ugly sometimes because it's easy for us all to say we have values. We're humans, humans aren't perfect. We all say things and then do other things, myself and yourself included. But it takes courage and it takes vulnerability, but it also takes commitment and it takes real leadership to say, yeah, we're, gonna, we're actually going to take some time and, and have a hard look in the mirror about whether we are actually doing what we say we believe in or if it's really just a marketing thing and we're full of it. There's a lot of really good evidence that shows that companies are more sustainable and more profitable over time yes. and maintain employee engagement yes. and retention uh, when they in fact do focus on employee health and well-being yes. and not just the performative stuff if they're smart because uh, right?
0: because it costs a lot of money to train someone new from scratch yeah and you're just chucking out someone and with 10 years experience and, and especially now
1: there's an employee crisis yeah right Quiet quitting is real. People yeah. can't hire people. I t- talk to people in all different cro- sectors of work. They can't find I people. I can't find people. Right. Because people are saying, I don't want to work in a toxic environment. I don't want to do it. So something's something needs to shift, and, right. and organizations have to see that as a, it's actually good for business to incorporate human-centered leadership practices, That's to incorporate people... human-centered practices. Yeah.
0: People in the interview process are now asking more pointed questions about yeah. company culture, yeah. et cetera, right? Yeah. So.
1: And what we have to be clear about too is as we develop young people and young professionals to let them know that it's not about uh, – that this is not at the expense of accountability. It's not at the expense of, of, um, of being committed, of being responsible, of being accountable because then people say, oh, well, they just make this – you know, it's all ping pong tables and unicorns and I can just call <laughs> in whenever I want and go, I don't feel well today. I'm having a self-care moment. Like this happens, right? right. At the same time, when you do it thoughtfully and, and avoid the either-or thinking, you can actually create an, a, a way where you can leverage the incredible creative problem-solving and, um, and collaborative um, learning culture that, that you only get when you synergize people from different perspectives, areas of expertise, generations, backgrounds, thinking styles, et cetera. What an, what an incredible thing to do. And you know what? This is the other thing. We, we, we make our whole identities and our whole life, uh, the whole definition of success is what do you do for work? People are, ki- are kind of tired of that.
0: Yeah.
1: I know I am. If I was just about money, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. I'd be working in some corporation, be high on the, right? But like, you literally couldn't pay me enough.
0: Catherine, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. I can't keep you all day. No. uh,
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always fun. So. I'm hoping another post in the future will trigger you to invite me again.
0: (laughs) Just keep posting. Keep posting. It could be a weekly uh, show. Sure. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, or if you want to be on the show, send me an email at connectionsvideopod at gmail.com. And please subscribe.